0: Welcome back to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. This week, I'm joined by Kiwi of California's Kittenhead. The four-piece splits time between Los Angeles and San Francisco, which has really helped shape a statewide presence. Kiwi unpacks growing up with the mentality of no gender barriers, finding inspiration in Joan Jett writing about impactful experiences for the disenfranchised, and their new EP, NYB, also known as Not Your Bitch. With that, let's turn it over to Kittenhead, where you can hear more about Kiwi's
1: awesome career. I'm not your peace, I'm not your woe, I'm not your paradise. Not your soul, I'm not your rest, I'm not your breath of life. Can you wake me from the stream as soon as you decide that you can't break me, you can't take me down with your advice? I are fucking lame. I'm not your toy, I'm not your test, I'm not your pickup game. I will not bend until I break, and I'm not your to claim. You're sick, desperation slowly driving me insane. <laughs>
2: I'm not your bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just take your
1: hand <laughs> Crying narcissists, mama's boy, still not weak he don't be.
0: TV to Anger Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things over in California?
3: They are great. It's been kind of hot today. I have all the windows open. I'm in my office. Um, and, yeah, it's, we had, it's, it's been an eventful day. I live in the Bay Area, so traffic was completely fucked because we had uh Golden State Warriors parade, celebratory parade today. Um, so yeah, you couldn't get anywhere and of course I had to go run a bunch of errands for work and so, yeah, it's been that sort of day.
0: (laughs) Well, it's nice to know that after all the hecticness of the day, we can wind down and talk about some music and some feminism and all kinds of awesome stuff.
3: Yes, yes.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you about your project Kittenhead. Uh, our friends in Frequency Within pointed me toward you and it's been so great getting to know your music. Um, But let's just get into it. Uh, I kind of want to start talking about the earlier parts of your career. How did you kind of first get involved in music? What were maybe some of the ways you got into it and any first instruments you were picking up?
3: Um, Well, I come from a very musical family. Um, My grandmother said that I actually sang before I spoke. Um, So... Uh, And uh, there was always music around in my family. We, um, growing up on the Oregon coast, you literally had to like drive two hours to get anywhere. And so we would sing in the car. Um, There was always uh, like accordions and pianos and people playing music and all the children being encouraged to sing. So, I mean, I've been singing and, and uh, just involved in music as far as just a life force through my community. I'm Finnish and Inari semi, Um so traditional folk dancing and traditional music, yoking. Uh, and then my godmother is a vocal instructor So I got vocal lessons really early and um, I started playing the flute and the guitar and um, played the saxophone a little. Uh, I can sort of play the piano. Um, I don't really claim to play the piano, but, you know, just everything and anything. And then um, I heard... Joan Jett, <laughs> and um, I remember very clearly listening. So I was sitting, well, I was laying on my bed with uh, headphones on, and I the song "Crimson and Clover" came on, and she says, "I don't, you know, it's I don't hardly know her, but I think I could love her." And the pro, I'm like, "This is a woman." singing about a woman, to a woman. And I totally, my teenage brain had a total freak out because I knew I was queer. And there was this human who had an album who was singing to a woman. And it was a seminal moment for me. Just like, I was like, Oh my God, this, this is so amazing. I, I'm like not the only one in the world. And I knew I wasn't the only one in the world just, but, um, it totally made me want to play rock and roll.
2: That's such an
0: inspiring person to draw from because Joan Jett is just not only somebody who can write music that, It's appealing to people of all backgrounds, writing lyrics that also appear to the queer community, but also such a powerful presence, especially when you think about through the 80s and stuff. I mean, she's just, even whenever she was in the Runaways, just a phenomenal presence in music. And that, I feel like, motivated so many young people to not only begin Mm -hmm. to find themselves personally, but also begin to pick up instruments too. I know she's still one of my classic favorites as far as like, the earlier eras of music for myself and becoming motivated with uh, strong women in music.
3: Well, and the fact that she did, she never um, like, she never put on a dress. She never like, she, she never, you know, the record companies wanted her to get rid of the guitar and be more like Pat Benatar and Pat Benatar is amazing in and of herself like just that voice is amazing um the you know the wilson sisters that they kept flipping off the record companies and telling them that they weren't going to break up or you know that they were going to stay together remain together and keep writing music um just that whole idea of joan just being like no this is who i am and this is the music I'm going to make. And people love it, obviously. So you can just piss off because I'm not going to change. I'm not going to stop wearing black leather pants um, and <laughs> having a low slung guitar and playing power chords and growling at people.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, that's just uh, – Joan That's amazing. I still deeply – admire her and what she's brought to rock and roll in general like she's she's an icon forever because of the just the presence that she carried the confidence the defiance toward the industry in that Mm -hmm. sense it's amazing I think she inspired so many generations of people to just pursue music and what a great influence to have I always like to ask people also like who were you listening to and Joan Jetson amazing one to reference for sure Um, I read that you're a classically trained vocalist as well as playing like guitar and ukulele and stuff. Um, how, how did you kind of go down that path?
3: Well, that's, that is squarely on my godmother. Okay. That's awesome. I, um, you know, I, I was, I took choir and they, I took all music in high school. Like I played in the band and I sang and, um, did a little musical theater here and there and, um, and was an athlete. So I was in all the things, all the things, all the groups.
2: So um, badass.
3: <laughs> well, mainly because it was a small town and, uh, they were like, yeah, keep her busy. Like, <laughs> <to distract laughs> it all the time because, uh, well, I was very independent and, um, would just walk, you know, like wander off on my own. So I think it was more of a, yeah, if we keep her involved in the most amount of things, then she won't end up getting in trouble. (laughs) I found my own trouble, (laughs) but um, yeah. So I took vocal lessons and that's basically the classical training. Um, had an operatic trainer and more of a choral trainer at the same time. So, uh, you know, and just also the blessing of being, I come from a working class family, but my father was a longshoreman, which kind of just raises your income level. So, you know, the working class mentality with actually more almost middle-class money. um, That to me was just, you know, I was very lucky to be given voice lessons Mm -hmm. um, because we didn't have anything up until the time I was in high school. Like, you know, I mean, we grew our own food, hunted fished. So I've worked on commercial fishing boats from the time I was 12. Wow. So
0: you could do it all is what I'm hearing.
3: (laughs) Well, I think that, um, I think the other really cool thing about my family was that, um, it's that Scandinavian, uh mentality of I think it comes from being up in the frozen north where you really you can't have those gender differences because everybody has to actually help Mm
2: -hmm.
3: or everyone's going to die (laughs) it's just that well you know it's freaking it is literally I don't know if I can swear I swear all the time I have no
0: go for it there's no censorship on this podcast when it comes to swearing (laughs) okay (laughs)
3: <laughs> um, so it's so fucking cold, yeah. you know, literally negative 30 degrees before the wind chill. Yeah. So you have to, you have to work together. You can't have these sort of gender differences of, Oh, well the women are going to do blah, blah, blah. And the men are going to do this. You have to work together. And so I was told, you know, you can do anything and then i got into school and and uh places where people were actually telling me no you can't do that because you're a girl and i was like well no
0: <laughs> that had to be really disorienting as like a kid to be told hey um this is not like home you have to fit into this societal norm
3: right yeah and it was very shocking um and like so one of the one of the upshots of that is that as uh as an athlete um they would so they had these like gender segregated buses so um and they always had the boys sit in the back of the bus
2: mm-hmm. and they
3: would always have the girls sit in the in the front of the bus Um, and it was actually much more comfortable to ride in the back of the bus because you got less light. So you could actually sleep on your benches, um, you know, coming back from a meet or something like that. Um, whereas the front of the bus, there was so much more light coming, hitting you. You couldn't sleep because of the, just the traffic. Um, and so we kept saying we, the women of, uh, on the track team, wanted to sit in the back of the bus, which, and they kept saying, no, we couldn't, because we were going to get pregnant.
0: What? That's wild.
3: Right, and I'm like, so, you don't think that we have any agency to say the word no? Like, there, you could put coaches between, like, this is completely ridiculous and and such backward thinking. So, I said, so this is, and this is the other thing. So the women's team had actually won a state championship. The men's team had never, yeah, except <laughs> so, and it was super irritating cause we would drive to these places that were like five, six hours away and then not be able to go to sleep because you just, you couldn't sleep in the front of the bus. So anyway, I, um, got the women's team together and right before meet I let us all off the bus and we just and we were like unless you let us ride in the back of the bus on the way back we're not going like we're not going to go to this track meet so you won't have a women's team Hmm. and yeah it turned into a big thing of them calling the athletic director and the superintendent of the school system and we had a mediation and it was kind of ridiculous. But we ended up being allowed to be in the back of the bus.
0: Well that's good.
3: How how are people going to actually learn how to be respectful with each other if they're not allowed to actually interact with each other?
0: Yeah. So. Well, you did a great thing, it sounds like, really pushing for that. And that's important. And I don't think a lot of folks think about those moments, like, you know, when you're growing up and you kind of have to, like, realize that, you know, the, the societal norm that you're coping with in the moment is bullshit. So it's, right. that's awesome.
3: Well, it's one of the things that I think has, has had me, the fact that I had success in that mm-hmm. um, meant that I just kept questioning the rules continually.
0: Yeah. That's important. That's yeah. so important to do, especially even in music and stuff. I mean, you always want to push the boundary of, you know, what's this, what's the norm in music in that sense. And uh, every,
3: oh, and, every bit of that matters. Well, in the norm in music, I think, you know, Joan Jett actually to go back to her, you know she said rock and roll is about is about what I can do and being in my power
2: mm-hmm.
3: and pop music is what you can do to me and they always try to put women in pop music like they want them as this object, not as this powerful person who owns their sexuality and that 's the thing about rock music. Rock music is very sexual. It's very much about this is who I am. This is where I am. And this is what I'm doing. there is no, if there's any objectification going on, it's me objectifying myself. And that's me putting myself in a place that I have negotiated with you. Not you putting me in a place and telling me how my sexuality should be or who I should be sexually. This this rock music is me owning who I am completely. And that's really, um, I'm putting my power in so the computer doesn't die on us. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's really um, why I'm drawn to rock and roll.
0: Yeah, that's important. And that autonomy for yourself, it makes you feel like you're in control. And that's one of the great parts and that's one of the most stimulating parts, I feel like, of, like, rock music is the fact that so much of it becomes about self-empowerment, no matter who you are. hmm That's so awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about maybe, like, your first bands and kind of how you've developed as a musician over the years?
3: Um, I... Well, I sang in—I've sung in a few bands Uh, back in the day. I sang in a band that was called the Psycho Cowboys, and we did punk rock covers of of country songs.
0: Oh, that's awesome!
3: (laughs) Yeah, which basically meant me screaming most of the time because just screaming the lyrics to. Uh, country songs and it was kind of it was it was um, it was really where I kind of developed like a stage persona Um, and I'm fairly uh, kinetic on stage I don't I have a hard time staying still really Um, so it was really good and uh, a lot of fun and that Band was in portland oregon um and we didn't it didn't really go very far, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun um, and I played then um, probably like the most probably where I like started really using my voice and uh, writing music, uh, were two bands. One was called Blackjack Betty and the other one was Farrell. And Farrell was the first time that I played with a, with a queer, a group of queer women. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So that was really, um, that was great. That was in Seattle. And I did a lot of the writing Uh, Brought most of the music to the table. Um, But the band just, it wasn't a cohesive group as far as what we wanted to do as musicians. Um, Blackjack Betty, I think, was a much more cohesive group as far as what we wanted to do.
2: Mm -hmm. It was
3: me and three dudes. And the main reason why Blackjack Betty didn't get more traction was we were a little more metal than the grunge scene. And, um, we were actually going to do a, like a, a big national tour and I was in a car accident and they broke and my jaw got broken.
0: Oh no. (laughs) Yeah.
3: really difficult to, ch- to sing when your jaw is wired shut
0: oh I believe it wow that sounds painful
3: so um and those groups I really I feel like they um they were all kind of training for kittenhead. that's really how I feel about
0: it that's awesome
3: uh, you know I learned how to book gigs and I learned how to promote and I learned how to um, be a front person and how to how to perform on stage um, how to put on stage makeup how to <laughs> how to say my voice after you know when you're playing five song you know five shows in a in a row five Shows in five days, and how to do rate. You know how to do interviews. How to um, really how how to do all of the things that one doesn't really think about when when you think of the craft of being in a band. Like yeah. you think of the songwriting stuff, which and the vocal the vocalization and the vocal training, which. You know, I had those things, but this other stuff, uh, that all, you know, you kind of, you have to learn that, and it's surprising and interesting, and and I'm always learning. I mean, hell, I've had, so, I think I told you this, but the last two interviews that I've done, um, I've gotten into fights with... The <laughs> I've gotten into fights with the DJs.
0: Oh,
2: no.
3: Because <laughs> I'm so personable.
0: <laughs> they must have said something that just didn't quite set right. <laughs>
3: well, the first one, the guy told me uh, not to be ashamed of my race. We got into a fight about uh, the song Tin Man. Okay. So the song Tin Man that is off of our uh, our first CD, um is a social justice anthem. Mm -hmm. And the first verse is about Matthew Shepard. It's the scarecrow and the scarecrow, um, because when they found Matthew, um, they didn't realize he was human. Mm. Bicyclists actually went past him thinking he was a scarecrow on the fence. Um, And the second verse is um, the lion. Mm -hmm. And that's for Trayvon Martin because he died for his courage for not backing down when he was confronted in his own neighborhood.
2: Yeah.
3: And the, the chorus is the Tin Man because the Tin Man is society. And society has to find its heart and stop the violence and the hate. That we're perpetrating on people who are marginalized. So I went through that explanation with him, and he decided that I was, um, well, he basically told me that I shouldn't be ashamed of my race. And I'm like, dude, I'm a Finn. I'm like about as proud of my people as I can be. And he, yeah. So we got into this argument, and he said that um, basically that cops have a hard job, and that that uh, yeah. violence that happens in society is that is the you know like that cops are shooting uh, people of color is the people of colors' fault. That oh black my gosh.
0: Women- Oh, that would so, set me off. Yeah, so I went off. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I, I already know whose side I'm on in this, and it's yours.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, I started yelling at him, and then he said, well, you don't know. And I'm like, look, if you're a cop, you signed up for a job, and you need to do that job well. It, and the job is protect and serve,
2: mm-hmm.
3: not kill people. And yeah, he's like, it's really hard. And I'm like, it's hard to be a teacher. It's hard to be a nurse. I've worked in an ER. I've watched nurses get punched. That doesn't mean they get to shoot someone. Yeah,
0: it's, you so, have to be trained for your job. You need to be respectful of all the people that you're protecting and serving. And I don't know, it's uh, the whole well, the whole protection system or uh, the whole justice system is kind of a disaster, especially in the United States. It's, uh but, yeah, I, I totally agree with you in that sense of, like, this. it sounds like this person just has no clue. But.
3: Yeah, so we got into a shouting match, basically.
0: Uh, well, I don't blame you in that case whatsoever. I probably would have reacted the exact same way. But, you know, yeah. it's good to know we're on the same page. I don't think we'll get into a shouting
2: match. Good.
0: <laughs> we can be friends. I'm I'm already excited Yay. about this. <laughs> hey,
2: friends.
0: Oh my goodness. This is so wonderful. Oh gosh. I, I I felt like I just synced up with you. Just you sharing those thoughts. Um, <laughs> well, to kind of- um,
3: as to the justice system in this country, my thoughts are, it's not a justice system. It, it was never set up to be a justice system Agreed. in the United States. It's a penal system and it's set up to punish. And the fact Is that when um, slavery ended, the Mm -hmm. penal system was incorporated in such a way to to focus on felonies and creating felonies so that there would be another disfranchised group of people to exploit for their labor. Mm -hmm. Because you just lost a huge free labor force. And now you have to replace that with somebody. And now we've actually monetized that. Um, So we've created this uh, class of people who are being exploited for their labor and they're called prisoners.
0: Yeah, and it's the privatization of the prison system that continues to fuel that. It's insane. Yeah. uh, uh, Gosh, that's just a massive disaster.
3: In Los Angeles County, specifically East Los Angeles, a young is more likely 18th birthday than to graduate from high school. Yeah, that and and they're being and these young men are being arrested for. I'm a little passionate about this, if you can't tell. These young men are being arrested for things such as wearing gang clothing. So basically, you're telling me that this young man was arrested for standing with his friend on a corner in gang, quotation marks, clothing.
2: Yeah, they could be but wearing just a color,
3: Baggy pants on. His baggy pants on. So now he's a gang member. So now you have standing on a corner. That's it.
0: Yeah, and once you have a child in the prison system, it's extremely difficult for them to break away from that life cycle that the system sets them up for it's horrifying and it's
2: just
0: and they unfortunately that system targets minorities and it exploits Mm -hmm. them and it devastates whole communities it's just it's a disaster and uh yeah I I couldn't agree more with you with the points that you're bringing up about this because that that shit matters I don't think it gets talked about enough
3: well, no, it doesn't get talked about enough. And I mean, this is, you know, I i actually went and got a law degree
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, and then decided that really the system was so fucked up that I would be, you know, spitting in a pool. Like there was no way for me to really make a difference from within the system. And I feel very strongly that, one of the few ways that you can make a true impact on society is through art.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so that, that is why you're, you'll hear, you'll always, for me, music represents the whole spectrum of, of human experience. Mm-hmm. So Um, you know, people kind of say that we're a little schizophrenic in our, um, in our compositions at times, but to me, it's always kitten head. Um, and it's always reflective of, of the human condition. Um, so that means that you'll get a love song, you'll get a fuck you song, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you'll yeah. get, um, you'll get a very political song. You'll get, uh, you know, that goofy, happy pop song. Um, cause sometimes you're just goofy, happy. Uh, and that to me is truly what the beauty of music is, is just that huge palette of human emotions that you get to scoop up and, and form into a cohesive unit. And, you know, you have your team, your band who, you know, as you interact together, things shift and morph and everyone brings their texture to the project. So it ends up this lovely, complicated knot of, of expression because everyone has has brought a different brush stroke to it. And so it really becomes a group uh, projection and image, which is just one of the most beautiful things that I think can happen, so.
0: Yeah, I think I was drawn to your music because of all the reasons that you just listed. The fact that you have a variety of different subjects. I loved the political and the intention and the outrage within Tin Man. And I loved being able to listen to some of your newer songs like Bloom, where it's like it feels very valid and it's very like, it's it's just a beautiful song. And I just love that aspect of your music is that you approach so many different things without restraint. Um, to kind of backtrack a little bit, can you kind of tell me a little bit about how Kitten Head itself began?
3: Um, well, I had uh I had graduated from law school and um I was working at a domestic violence agency, uh, which in and of itself is depressing. Um I mean you feel like you're going to battle every day and it's, I just, it's really where I made that sort of realization that I wasn't going to, you know, that I was slamming my head against a wall. And that if I wanted to make an impact, I needed to have a bigger bucket. (laughs) I needed to be able to like, I needed to be able to get these ideas and messages out to a, a broader, a broader audience. Um, and so I was talking with a friend and I said, I wanted to start another band. Um, and she was a friend in Seattle and she immediately was like, Hey, I know this person, Dee, and you really should talk to her because she was in white trash debutantes and her guitar style. You're going to love and blah, 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 blah. So I was like, okay. And then, um, yeah, it just kind of, sp- Dee Dee knew Owen. And well, we actually started with, we had four women. And two of the women didn't want, Dee Dee and I were really clear that this is what we wanted to do like this wasn't like a party on the weekend band like we wrote six songs in like four sessions four practice sessions wow and so we were like okay so this is one this is what we want to do two we really want to bring this sound and this this message out to the world and Three, it's not a, this isn't a party thing. This is like what we want to do with our lives. This is a calling. And the other two women just wanted a party band. They didn't want to, they didn't want to tour extensively. They didn't want to produce videos. They didn't want to, which we are, we are going to do videos this time. That's awesome. So, There will be videos. Um, So Dee Dee knew Owen and Owen was going to fill. She, she was like, Owen's in three bands. He doesn't want to, I was like, just, oh, just ask him. And he had seen, he had come and seen the first incarnation of Kittenhead um, like two or three times play out. And when she asked him, he was like, I'm in. He's just like, I'm in, I'm in. That's so awesome. He's like, I'll quit two of these other bands. I've, I'm in.
0: Wow, that's so cool to have somebody that committed from the start.
3: Yeah, he was just like, this is it. I. He's like, I, I can, I was like, I told you.
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
3: So, and then um, we advertised for uh bass slash guitar player
2: mm-hmm.
3: and Victoria answered the ad, promptly forgot that she'd answered the ad. This is a running, <laughs> running, 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 uh, a running theme with Victoria is forgetting things. Um, I read this article, cause I'm in the Bay area about Clay Thompson who plays basketball for the Warriors, how he loses his license all the time. And I was like, oh my God, It's the male version of Victoria.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) She knows you tease her about this a lot.
3: (laughs) Oh, yes, she does. And she freely admits it.
0: Oh, that's so funny.
3: Yeah. I mean, she's a genius on guitar, but Mm
2: -hmm.
3: not really focusing on the mundane. I mean, I am... I have such great musicians around me. It's just amazing. It's oh, that's really awesome. Amazing. And the really special thing about Kittenhead to me is that not only are, is everyone um, just really outstanding musicians, very talented, but they're all good people. Mm -hmm. And people who aren't, we all want to share equally, Um, Mm -hmm. we divide up the music so everyone is, all the, um, the lawyer part of me, everything's copywritten and um, (laughs) so, but the division is, is completely, you know, 25% each so that, you know, if and or when things are, you know, there's a boat of prosperity that lands beside us that everyone will be taken care of equally because that's just the way it should be. So, um, but yeah, the band, basically the band got together um, out of me deciding that, Being a lawyer wasn't the best idea that I'd had.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And what a great way to channel your energy and finding these people that share that same motivation too. That's so exciting, I'm sure, to be able to write music alongside these folks as well. Um, Putting together the sound for Kittenhead, uh, there's so much, I feel like, in your music but how would you describe the way that your music sounds from your perspective? Cause I don't like pigeonholing people into genres.
3: Um, you know, I get asked what genre we are all the time and, um, and I really don't know, uh, because we don't really come in with an idea of, of a sound. We, we basically, come in with various parts of a song and then um, we jam on the song and parts evolve and then we end up recording it eventually. But, uh, I mean, it's really... it's it's hard to say. Like, frequently, I mean, my inbox, I usually get two or three emails a week, sometimes more some than that, of riffs that either Victoria or Dee wrote. And sometimes I will send them things. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk with Owen about, hey, this is... We usually just say, "Hey, oh, and what you hear on this?" You know, this is kind of. And if he's like, "Well, I don't really," you know, we're like, "Well, this is sort of what we hear." But he, you know, he writes the beats to everything, and then we'll bring we'll bring the group together, try to like mull over this thing, kind of poke it and prod it and arrange it eventually. Um, and then if I have, usually when I hear music lyrics come to my mind. Mm -hmm. So that's just, a that's just an oddity of who I am. When I hear music, I hear words. So they are usually jamming on things and I might throw in my two cents of, I need a little more here. I need a little less there or, um, you know, maybe we need to put a bridge over here or, you know, maybe that should have a diminished fourth in there. like, just talking musically how it's progressing, you know, like saying, oh, well, maybe we should go down a, a fifth instead of the third because a third is too obvious. We have those sorts of discussions. Um, <laughs> so we, as we're... Um, kind of forming the song, I will write the lyrics um, or I'll sit with something like bloom. The, the chorus of bloom came to me the first time I heard the riff of that song.
0: That's really cool. That's a gift to be able to just have the words start to come together upon hearing the sound.
3: It's yeah. I, Sometimes it's a curse. <laughs> if you're driving and you and you're listening to something new that someone sent you, and you have to pull over three times because you keep <laughs> having. I have pens and paper all over everywhere because I'm always with like things of. There are all I have notebooks and uh, file folders full of because I actually really like physically writing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So um, I have paper all over the place. I have cats. That, my my last cat liked to shred paper. So that was oh, always. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> were your lyric sheets ever damaged?
3: Yes. yes <laughs> they were.
2: Oh, and no. I've been
3: known to be like putting them back to and my handwriting's already a mess, much less with the cat helping me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, great, great. That's just fucking perfect. Never going to be able to figure out what I wrote there.
0: Oh, no, that's so funny. Yeah, animals have a way of uh, leaving their impression on your art. I know that yeah. I've had uh, – just being somebody who records audio with the podcast, I have the occasional small burp here and there from a dog. I had <laughs> When I when I had my cat up until she passed away, sometimes I'd be trying to record and I could hear her meowing in the background. So I'd have to clip that out or I'd have to, it's either you either clip it out or you acknowledge it. <laughs> right. And it's, 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 it's entertaining and it's funny how they find their way into your stuff. Um, yes but it sounds like even into the name with Kittenhead.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. With the name. um, Yes. When we were naming the band Kittenhead, um, being very organized, I was like, okay, everybody send me like five names and I'll go through. And I did. I went and I Googled all of them to make sure that they weren't being in use, Mm -hmm. that, and, um, then we had a Skype meeting and everyone was on the line. Cause we had, we actually had shows lined up and we didn't have a name. Oh no. <laughs> so this like needed to happen now. And, um, so the names, none of them, I was really very attached to it at all so i had I had no horse in the race, so Rory, my kitten, um, she would retrieve, so I had her little ball, and I was throwing her ball down the hall, and she was bringing it back, and I was like, and i have a nickname for all of my animals, all of my animals have nicknames, um, and I was like, "Rory, boy, kittenhead, you're such a good girl." Um and my bandmates were like Kittenhead. Kittenhead that's a great name. And I was like you can't name the band after my cat.
0: <laughs> I actually have talked to another band Little Prince and that was in reference to a cat as well. So <laughs> The, I guess you're. I guess you're my second band now that has a has an actual cat's name as your band name. That's so awesome! I was like, "Huh, yes. this is a great band name." I'm always attracted to anything involving like cats, and so that's wonderful to hear. Well, you've seen
3: story. logo.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> it,
3: I was very resistant to it for the first month or so, and then I realized the marketing potential. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you can have cat everything. Exactly.
3: <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. There can be cats on yeah. But we do use Kitten Head LA because when we first started there's a woman who makes kitten headbands <sighs> in the Midwest. They're like kittens on a headband.
0: Oh, my goodness.
3: (laughs) And she had the website.
0: (laughs) Oh, bummer. So she she had kitten head.
3: She had kitten head. So
0: we're kitten head LA because of that. Oh, okay. Well, you might have to wait till that domain disappears and then claim it.
3: (laughs) Exactly. I should check that. It's been a few
0: years. (laughs) Check periodically until you can get a hold of it. Well, you, you
3: have to think that, I don't know, I haven't seen the kitten headband, and she might not, you know, she might not have had that huge business Eureka that she thought she was when she claimed that URL.
0: So funny. That could be true. I mean, maybe worst case scenario, she becomes a part of your, uh, merch list. Start selling that's the kitten. Good. Make a yeah. deal. Get the kitten head bands also as your merch. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. That's great. Oh, I'll have to check out what you have. That's for sure. Um,
3: so we have sweat wristbands. Huh. We did for a while.
1: That's cool. Because,
3: well, well, Didi- Dee. Always wears a wristband because I guess she cuts her wrist when she plays.
1: Oh
0: wow.
3: So yeah, you know.
0: That's a different merch idea though. I like it. I like whenever there's something that's creative that's being brought forward for that.
3: For well sure. we did have little rubber wristbands that said kitten head on them. They were quite popular. We need to get another round of those going.
1: That's cool. Yeah,
3: should, I love you know. Always shirts.
0: <laughs> I know I have to stop buying t-shirts because I have way too many band shirts now. And I'm like, okay. I've had to limit myself. I'm like, you can buy like cause the dad hats are really popular. I'm like, and I like them myself. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I can buy hats, I can buy vinyl, I can buy CDs, but I have to stop with the t-shirts.
3: <laughs> well, we at least have red t-shirts.
0: Different color, not your typical black t-shirt then. Exactly. That's compelling
3: (laughs) bright red. It's like fire engine
0: red. I love it. That's awesome. Definitely got to make sure I'll I'll make sure I leave a link to the website and stuff. So everybody can get a hold of uh, checking out all of your stuff that you have out there in the, in the show notes and everything. Um, But also things that I want to be able to promote for you is this brand new EP you have coming out soon. Um, I'd love to be able to talk to you about some of that as well. Um, Do you have a name for the EP? It's NYB. NYB? Okay. I not love it. Dude. Not your bitch. I love it. So that's yes. so the song that I heard Not Your Bitch is the titular song then. That's awesome. That is. Yes. I love I love how um, how I feel like so much of that song is not only reclaiming the word bitch, but also framing it to where nobody else can use it. Yes. And also to where, you know, so much of it is just pretty much and I I feel like your target Absolutely is, you know, making sure that these very aggressive men in particular, because we know that they're the ones that are the culprits of using Mm -hmm. that kind of derogatory language and derogatory attitudes and pressures on women. um, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's disgusting. It's terrible. And I love the fact that you're calling them out in this song. It's Mm -hmm. so powerful. You remind me of so much of um, that particular song of like some of my favorite hardcore and um, garagier acts right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, what was it like for you writing that song and, like, kind of unleashing, it sounds like, a lot of emotions?
3: Um, so, Victoria wrote a lot of the um, first part of that song. She actually came up with Not Your Bitch. Like, she's... Um, and she sent me the song pretty fully formed
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: uh, with the first verses. I the verses about
2: 45
3: Mm -hmm. um the last the last uh and the rant in the middle
0: yeah I love that part by the way it's really really great
3: well and so what's going on in the background of that is Mm -hmm. the conversation that um Dee and Victoria had over lunch before we recorded Mm Mm-hmm where they were actually at a cafe and both of them were, were checking out different people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's their conversation about checking out different people. That's go underneath uh, my rant. Yeah. So, and I think that the song really, I mean, it, it does, it is calling out that cis white, cis male privilege mm-hmm.
2: that
3: is so pervasive. And the fact that, you know, I mean, when I lived in Los Angeles, I guys would hit on me when I was in my fucking car. I'm like, yeah. I am driving to work and you are asking me to go get a drink. It 7:30 in the fucking morning. <laughs> Just because my window is down is not an invitation to speak to me. No. It's, 80 fucking degrees, because I'm in Los Angeles, and I hate AC, because I'm a vocalist. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's not that I don't think that, I mean, it's a balance, right? You want to be able to approach people, but it's about respect. Mm -hmm. It's about being appropriate, And then it's also about being okay with what their response is.
0: Yeah, you have to accept the rejection or you have to know how to politely lead up to the response maybe that you want. If you want there to be a positive reaction, you have to deliver a positive and respectful delivery. Right.
3: And the fact is that if I say no, you don't get to call me a bitch then. Yeah.
0: Amen to that. Seriously.
3: You know, I am not your bitch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That song is just so empowering, knowing that, like, there's a lot of strength behind Mm -hmm. just being able to sing those words. And for me as a listener, I'm just like, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm no one's bitch, and I'll never let anybody, frankly, call me that because there's so much, like, anger that I'm feeling toward anybody who would ever, you know... Um, use that as a slur toward me. So I love that, I love that song so much because it just, it feels very powerful for sure. And I feel that so much throughout the EP as well. I'm very fortunate that you let me kind of preview some of the early mixes and stuff. Um, It's been a blast being able to dig into that. Uh, So thank you. And I'm very excited for everybody listening to be able to dig into this EP for sure.
3: It's going to be mastered today.
0: Oh, fantastic. That's gotta be exciting for you.
3: It's so exciting because this has been oh a push to get this one done. We recorded seven songs. We're probably only we're gonna put five on the EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, not your bitch. Did you like the, the nanas, the like
0: the the bratty? Yes, it's <laughs> so it's yeah, and I, so much fun. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's been a while since I've heard a song that's got a very, like, playful kind of breakdown like that. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you put that into that, that song.
3: Yeah, it's, I really love the sort of bratty yet strong sense of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's like one end of the political spectrum. And then we have numb on the other end. It's just this, like, full force, like, Oh, by the way, the entire planet's gonna die. Hi,
0: <laughs> it's important to even talk about that too, though. Seriously, that's yeah. why I like that song too. Oh my goodness, yeah, it's it's been great. I'm very excited for the world to hear this. That's for sure. Um, did you have a favorite song that you got to write on this?
3: Um, you know, Nam is really close to my heart because. Uh, so on the on the CD before this. Uh, Dreamland was like my favorite song because it was like a download <laughs> into my consciousness. Mm-hmm. The words just like, poof. and that's basically with numb. Um, I heard the song, I sat down, I wrote the lyrics out like boom. And so that, I mean, it gives me this special Place in my heart because it makes me feel like, you know, the goddess of music went boing and touched my head or something, and all this just kind of came flowing out of me. Like that's. So I I always feel like the creative divine somehow spoke to me when something like that happens. Um, I love 143 just because it's hysterical. Mm -hmm. like it's a big joke um so I mean right now they're all kind of my babies Mm because they're all newish so uh I played you haven't heard this version yet but I played the tambourine on confusion oh nice laugh my ass off (laughs) besides the fact that it actually hurts to play the tambourine or I Am just abusing myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, that fucking hurt. <laughs> oh, oh, no wonder people use drumsticks to play these things. Because that <laughs> really hurt. Oh yeah, especially with.
0: putting a lot of power into that tambourine.
3: Yeah, like, boom, cha, boom, cha. It was like, ow.
0: My <laughs> head was kind
3: of bruised after. It was-
0: You'll build some calluses doing that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I think that, you know, Bloom... um, Bloom has a very special place in my heart. I love the um, choral aspect of it. You know, there's 12-part harmony in the chorus.
2: Mm -hmm. um,
3: Because uh, I went in the studio and added like, four more vocal parts to the background vocals, went and sang some tenor.
0: That's cool. And it was like what you were mentioning to me um, ahead of the – ahead of us scheduling our interview, you said that, you know, you were able to do some things with this EP that, you know, you wouldn't always be able to fit into a live show.
3: Right. Well, and I think we got to a point where um, when we were recording the first CD – um, we have an EP that we did quick and dirty before the last CD mm-hmm. uh, and the last CD um, it was really important to DD Dee Dee that we be able to reproduce everything live.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I felt like it limited us somewhat. I mean, we couldn't reproduce all of it, Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of sat down before this one and had a conversation about how they're just totally different art forms.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, a live show, you don't need all of that production because they have you. Yeah. You know, unless you're a shoegaze band. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're Kittenhead, you have Victoria jumping off everything she can climb up on. And- <laughs> sprinting all over the stage, sprint, singing, and, you know, Dee Dee jumping and talking and, and you got all three of us moving around yeah. um, and we all bring a presence, you know, and Owen is back there making faces in his sunglasses and uh, you know, it's just, it, we're a very entertaining band. You're not gonna be bored at one of our shows. <laughs> if I'm bored? I'm going to jump down off the stage, cut through the crowd, and go sing in your fucking face and be like, hey,
0: <laughs> hey. No yawning, no standing there with your arms crossed. You will be entertained. <laughs> be entertained. That's awesome. Non-consensually, it has to be that way. <laughs> For the sake of entertainment. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Have you been able to play any of the new songs out live?
3: No, we're going, uh, we're rehearsing this, uh, weekend. Mm-hmm. We're going into rehearsal to figure out how to play them live.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's exciting. Do you have any release shows coming up or? Um, I don't think that
3: we have shows coming up in July. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to have, we're playing the 22nd, I think. I'm trying to look at the calendar here. Uh, at the satellite in Los Angeles. Um, I will update our calendar. We're booking shows right now, so I don't have everything set in mm-hmm. stone. But we're going to be playing some shows um, in the Bay Area, in Reno, in... Southern California, and then we're planning either in August or September to take a little tour.
0: Oh, exciting.
3: Yes, most likely up through the Pacific Northwest, through Montana, down through Utah, Nevada. We have to go to Colorado because uh, we have a following in Colorado. I don't know how it happened. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Um,
0: <laughs> the internet is magical. <laughs> it is.
3: Well, I mean, we have a following in in England too. I'm like, take us over. We'll go. We'll go. I have a passport. We all have passports. We'll go to. We'll go to the UK.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it'd be awesome if you get a European tour together. That'd be so much fun. I'm sure. And Absolutely. I feel like I have a lot of listeners over here on a. On the East Coast, so I'll have to make sure the word spreads about Kittenhead along the East Coast now. Oh, absolutely!
3: We do have a following in Pennsylvania.
0: That's a great spot. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, damn! I'm super excited for the word to continue to spread on Kittenhead. That's for sure. One um, but it seems like there's a lot of people that do know about you for sure because. Um, I noticed that you have kind of this history of playing roller derby leagues and like you have derby girl that the roller derby leagues around the world actually skate out to. How did that happen? Um,
3: So when we were writing our first songs, I have this very good friend who I consider a sister named Marie and she uh, is a derby girl.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And, She had just gotten married, and I was um, her maid of honor. And you know, I had just gotten out of law school, I didn't have any money, so I was like, Okay, well, let me write a song. (laughs) This will be the wedding present.
0: That's an awesome present.
3: (laughs) So, um, wrote Derby Girl for her basically. Mm -hmm. And then her derby was like, hey, can we use this at a skate-out song? And I was like, sure. And so I put it up on Reverb Nation. It's still up on Reverb Nation for any derby that wants to download it Mm -hmm. and play it. Um, And so it got publicized in the derby circuits. And we, I mean, I actually also just put it out there to any derby that wanted to play it, that they could play it. Mm-hmm. And so we got invited to play the derby halftimes, and That's cool. we've, played, we've played a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so awesome!
3: We've played derbies. We've played a lot of derbies. Probably every derby in the state of California that has a derby halftime, we've played.
0: That's uh, amazing.
3: So, yeah. So the derbies um we might be playing the vegas derby this year um you know the hard thing for me is just trying to keep track of everything and keep everything calendared and
2: yeah uh, sure
3: so you know if there's a derby on the east coast that wants us to come play we are more than willing
0: so awesome I love it you know you could practically do a tour of derbies and I'm sure mm-hmm. there are plenty of them that would jump at the opportunity because the song is great it totally suits the vibe of roller derby and mm-hmm. your band is just so empowering and I feel like that totally suits the culture of roller derby especially for for women so that's so cool, cool. I love to hear that and I love that you you've built popularity because of that that's so neat well, um have you watched
3: the video for Betty?
0: Um, I don't think I've watched that video yet.
3: Well, that the live shots of that are at a roller
0: derby. Oh, damn! Where, we have to go watch that like right after this.
3: <laughs> yeah, so those shots are from the Ventura, so Sugar City Roller Derby cool. in Ventura, California.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes so everybody can watch that because see you in see you in one of your many elements. That's so great.
3: Well, and Betty, the song Betty is about, it's just a female empowerment song. Mm -hmm. So Betty is like a trailblazer. Mm -hmm. So all through it, there's clips of us playing, but then they're just Badass women, like pictures of badass women, including just suffragettes and women being hauled off for protesting. And, you know, but then you'll see like all sorts of, you know, Serena Williams, uh, Oprah, uh, Tina Turner, um, Ma Rainey, uh, you know, Joan Jett. There's a shot of the Runaways in there. Um you know just, I mean, Hillary Clinton, all sorts of people from all different genres. Um,
2: yeah,
0: that's so cool. Damn, that's a very powerful message for you to pack in there. So, I'm gonna definitely make sure to check that out. That's so cool. Oh, I think we froze for a second. There we go. Cool. Zoom's yeah.
2: working. Well, I again. think that the over, huh?
0: Oh, sorry. My screen froze for a second. Keep going. Sorry.
3: Okay. No. So, I would say that the overarching message of Kittenhead is that um, boxes aren't for people. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody put you in a box. Don't let anybody else define who you are. Don't let anybody else um, define what you want to do with your life or what you want to be. You know, define that for yourself. Figure out how you're going to do it and go. And listen to K- Kittenhead on like 11 and we'll help you get there.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I definitely feel like that message rings true so much with your music and I definitely feel very strong and very empowered just listening to it. That was, it's been such a great experience being able to unpack all of that. Um, I'm going to throw kind of a question at you that I usually do at all my guests. So next is a little tricky, but uh, so I always like to ask people about kind of like the people that they respect in music. If you could play with any three, it could be an, a solo artist or a band, any of that. Um, if you mm-hmm. could play with any three musicians that can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead, uh, mm-hmm. who would they be?
3: Um, Big Mama Thornton. Um. wow Prince I got to see Prince six weeks before he died
0: wow that's incredible I regret not being able to see him before
3: <laughs> yeah I saw him many times mm-hmm.
0: because
3: because because I saw him once and I was like Baby, fucking Jesus! Anytime this man is within like a hundred miles of me, I will figure out a way to go see him. Yeah. Um, and there's so many now. I'm down to one. Um, <laughs> uh, it's hard uh, to narrow a uh, list,
0: that's for sure.
3: Uh. Well, I'm I'm debating. I'm debating. Um, share a stage. I'm debating between Janis Joplin and David Bowie. Like, those are, like, two so extreme <laughs> differences. Both,
0: both extremely influential as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think I have to go with David because I got big mama who was Janice's influence. So
0: there you go. That sounds like a great lineup. I love it. Uh, yeah. It, it's just amazing. The kind of people that influence us as consumers of music and the kind of impact they can make. And it's mm-hmm. just, I love it. I love always having that discussion with folks. Um, so with everything that you've shared with me, there's a lot of really great things that you're doing with Kittenhead. And I'm wondering maybe what are some goals that you have for the band over maybe the next year or so?
2: Um,
3: well, the first goal, which is the very basic goal, <laughs> is to get this uh, CD, um, CD EP mastered and shoot some videos for it and get the promotion rolling on it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the next goal is for us to actually go to Europe and play because we have, we have a following there and, you know, we need to, we need to do that outreach and actually, and I really want to stop in Iceland on the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. Know. That could be your first stop.
3: Yeah, we could go to Reykjavik and play a show and then fly. Um, really, I, I want the message of our music to reach people, and specifically young women who are feeling the pressure to change who they are, um, and young uh Young queers who are feeling the pressure that they're alone or that they you know need to change their identity, um, We really need the diversity. We need new ideas. We need people who think outside the box. This place is fucked up. We have fucked up the environment our societies like sliding sideways down a hill, out of control. And we really need those voices that aren't in the mainstream to come into the mainstream and shift the dialogue in a positive way. And, you know, today is the anniversary of uh, Pulse Mm -hmm. Orlando. And um, we can't let hate win. We just can't. Um, I just, you know, as somebody who is a queer woman who primarily has relationships with other women um, and queer people and, um, otherly bodied people. Uh, I just, I really want to know when we are going to stop destroying each other and share ourselves wholly and share our ideas, honestly and openly and step away from this idea of of uh, scarcity, you know? um, I feel very strongly that the, not even the 1%, it's the fucking point zero one percent really wants us, people of color, sexually marginalized, and women, they want us fighting. Because as long as we're fighting, we're not unifying ourselves to actually look at what's going on and we need our voices we need to support each other we need to stop tearing each other down we need to unify link arms step forward and say this is the majority all those weirdos we're the majority
0: That's so well said. And I couldn't agree more. And I feel like the messaging in your music rings true for all that. And I'm hopeful that it will be a part of that movement of inclusivity and joining together. And Kittenhead is all about that.
2: That's why I got so
0: excited to hear your music and talk to you. So this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Where can everybody keep up with Kittenhead on the internet?
3: Well, there is kittenheadla.com. We're also on Reverb Nation, SoundCloud. There's pretty much. We're on Twitter. It's kittenheadla. All of our handles are kittenheadla except for Reverb Nation. Um, So if you look for us on Facebook, sorry, I very rarely update Facebook. I (laughs) pretty much... Almost daily update Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we're also on Instagram. That's Victoria. She Mm -hmm. does Instagram. So, um, and we're on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, Kittenhead LA. And there will be new videos soon.
0: That's exciting. Well, everybody's going to have to make sure they keep up with you, keep an ear open for the EP release news and everything. So, Sounds like yeah. we got plenty of channels to follow you on that. <laughs> they do.
3: We are on all the social medias.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kivi. It's been a wonderful time talking to you.
3: Thank you, Amanda. It has been great. And I didn't even get into a fight. That was like amazing. <laughs>
0: heard Kittenhead. Thank you so much to Kiwi for her time and for sharing her experiences playing in the independent music scene. Kittenhead is an important voice in music, one that's pushing hard to ensure the voices of so many important communities are heard even louder. Make sure to listen to NYB, now available on iTunes, Reverb Nation, and more. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Stitcher, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, run publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work, and let's chat. Until next time, stay angry and support inclusivity in the scene.
1: some